the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Well, greetings to you. Kathy Emmons from the Word FM studios, but John Hall, my friends, not here, taking a day off. He um, had the nerve, the abject gall, to send me a photograph of of his vacation paradise this morning. I was minding my own business. You know what I was doing at 8.30 this morning? I was show prepping. I was working. Because that's what happens when you get up in the morning and you're doing a radio show by yourself, right? I'm doing my thing. Next thing. And keep in mind, I'm minding my own business in my house, on my phone, you know, looking at the news of the day. Here comes a photograph from John from Vacation Paradise. I was like, really? So, of course, I had to fuss about it because, of course, it was fabulous and the video was gorgeous and it was, you know, a spectacular moment. But, you know, is there no pity? It's then I did. It isn't fair. I I do uh, remember though, Gary. Um, since you've already spoken on the show, I feel like I can speak to you now. Um, that when I went to California uh, in uh, 2019, I do remember sending uh, like a daily photograph. So that's pretty mm-hmm. rough. So perhaps I'm living in a situation that I've earned. You, did you send him a picture? In oh, should, back should have sent a picture for the morning. Here's what I'm morning. doing. Right. Show prep. <laughs> You're familiar with it. Yeah. Right. Anyway, happy to have you along for the Tuesday edition of The Ride Home. We do hope John is having a terrific time on vacation. You know, when he went to the ocean, uh, it was probably three years ago, he uh, decided he was going to camp and then the weather got bad. And uh, so then on the way down, he decided to, <laughs> they decided to go with an Airbnb. And they'd never gone to an Airbnb before. So it was kind of like, well, you know, this is going to be our first attempt. And um, they got down there. Everything seemed fine in the place until the next morning at four (laughs) o'clock when the rooster started. (laughs) So he ended up at an Airbnb with a rooster for the whole week. (laughs) It was so excellent. It was so great that um, our our poet uh, for the show here, uh, what do you call like a poet for the nation? It's poet like laureate, poet laureate, yeah. the poet laureate for the show at the time, uh, Jim. You remember Jim? Yeah. I, anyway, I went way back with Jim. Yeah, Jim uh, wrote a, a, probably his best work was saluting John and the rooster on vacation. We set it to music. I mean, it was it was, <laughs> it was a beautiful time here on the Word FM. Anyway, we have so much coming up on today's program. We're going to talk in the five o'clock hour about sex scandals and the evangelical mind. Is there something about how uh, evangelicals think about church, uh, think about personal discipleship, uh, think about um, family development that causes pastors to end up in isolated places of leadership, 
um, valued for their superior communication skills, um, delivering sermons and podcasts and all of that, and yet somehow keeping them in a place where they're susceptible personally to um, a fall in in personal morality. We're going to talk about that with Bronwyn Lee in the 5 o'clock hour. Also in the 5 o'clock hour, anticipating Jesus' return, how it can give us strength for today. I'm very excited to talk to Chris Davis for the first time. Um, also, the Washington Post tells us today that the U.S. Christian majority could fade in coming decades. What does that mean for people of faith? Um, in this hour, we're going to talk about the LG LGBTQ issue with uh, Claire DeGraff, who's just a wonderfully calm, um, educated, reasonable presence uh, in talking about these issues. He's going to, if you have any concerns about that, if you're really wondering how it is that you navigate that in your own family or your own church or in your own life yourself, um, be with us at 440. We're also going to talk about the death of my very favorite jazz pianist of all time. Ramsey Lewis passed away today at the age of 87. And in just a little bit, our friend Charlie Camosi will be with us to talk about the upcoming election. But before we get into any of that, I do believe it's time, even past time, for the top four at four. This is for Tuesday, September 13th, my friends, 2022, number one. The Ukrainian forces' dramatic advances on the battlefield, which have seen them claw back a huge swath of ground from Russia's invading troops in the south and east of the country, are starting to cause some public anger inside Russia. Ukraine's troops have recaptured an estimated 2,000 square miles of territory in recent days, and Vladimir Putin himself is facing some rare criticism at home. The Kremlin's attempt to spin the withdrawal in the region as a strategic regrouping of forces to other front lines has been ridiculed on social media, even in Russia. Quote, it's either full-scale war or we get out. Those were the words today from former parliamentarian Boris Nadezhdin, insisting during his heated panel discussion on state TV late last week that something had to be done. Ukrainians, of course, want to believe that the tide is turning, but Secretary of State Anthony Blinken warned that while this counteroffensive was well-planned and has clearly benefited from an avalanche of Western military aid, it is too early, he says, to predict an outcome. That's from CBS Today. Number two. A Connecticut jury expecting today to begin considering how much Alex Jones should pay for making defamatory statements about the Sandy Hook Elementary School massacre, a case in which victims' families are seeking to deal a new financial blow to Mr. Jones, who was previously found liable for defamation. Families of kids and teachers are trying to stop the misinformation spread by Mr. Jones, who has over the years claimed that the school shooting in which 20 children and six adults died was a government-sponsored hoax. Proceedings last month in Texas, where Mr. Jones and his InfoWars site are based, resulted in a jury ordering him to pay nearly $50 million in damages to the parents of a six-year-old boy. The Connecticut trial and another expected in Texas could add tens of millions of dollars to that. Plaintiffs in the Connecticut case are eight victims' families and an agent with the FBI who was a first responder to the shooting who report, if you can believe this, ongoing harassment, and I mean harassment over years, by some of Alex Jones' listeners who were encouraged to do so by his broadcasts. It's from the front page of today's Wall Street Journal. Number three, from the Trib, more than 3,000 people have signed a letter rallying around Uju Anya, 
A Carnegie Mellon University professor whose tweet last week wished Queen Elizabeth II an excruciating death. The post, which Twitter has since removed, said this, quote, I heard the chief monarch of a thieving, raping, genocidal empire is finally dying. May her pain be excruciating. Carnegie Mellon condemned Anya's statement as offensive and objectionable, but said that she had the free right to say it. Uh, Spokesman Peter Kerwin said the views she shared do not represent the values of the institution. Anya went on to say that she is from Nigerian Trinidadian descent and uh, that colonialism of decades past deeply affected her family. And number four, Steeler coach Mike Tomlin said he's optimistic about the return of linebacker T.J. Watt after his pec injury near the, the end of Sunday's win over the Bengals. Quote, we're probably in a lot better place than we were after the game, Tomlin said today, a little afternoon. I won't make any commitments beyond that, he said. But we are encouraged and will continue to look at the situation and gain opinions and do what is appropriate. The Steelers have until the end of the week to place him on injured reserve, Watt that is, and add a player to the active roster. Tomlin and also didn't rule out Watt needing surgery to repair the pack, but it certainly doesn't seem like it's going to be needed. And that's good news. And that's your top four at four. All right, people, it's time for us to step away. When we come back, my good friend Charlie Camosi will be with us. If the Republicans can't run against Democrats on abortion, they can't run against him on anything. We'll talk about it next. The Ride Home. WORD. Here's a preview of what's ahead this week on Inside for Living with Chuck Swindoll. I hope you have come to the place of maturity in your life that the Lord can bless someone else abundantly without your need to feel that he must bless you the same before you can enjoy it. He says, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. Chuck Swindoll's subject is flying closer to the flame this week on Insight for Living. Tomorrow morning at 8 on 101.5 WORD. Celebrate fall during community market days at Bedner's Farm and Greenhouse. Every Saturday from 11 to 3, Bedner's has plenty to enjoy, including local goods and vendors, a food truck, live music, wine tastings, cooking and gardening workshops, DIY and kids activities, plus everything you need for your fall gardening and decor with fresh cut pumpkins, gourds, corn stalks, mums, and lots more. Community market days every Saturday at Bedner's Farm and Greenhouse in McDonald. Visit Bedner'sGreenhouse.com. If you're drowning in IRS debt and can't afford to pay, then you need to take advantage of special IRS tax programs that are available and free yourself from IRS collection efforts once and for all. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing throughout the country, the Internal Revenue Service has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call the Community Tax Helpline at 800-500-5588. If you you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back, or even if you have years of unfiled tax returns, there's no need to fear anymore. But you have to call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-500-5588 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your Social Security check. Call 800-500-5588 for your free consultation and to see if you qualify. That's 800-500-5588. 
The Catholic Men's Fellowship of Western Pennsylvania presents the 14th Annual Gathering of Men Conference, Created New, Saturday, September 24th at Gateway High School in Monroeville. A day for men to rediscover their connection with God and renew their bonds with each other. Featuring a powerful lineup of speakers, worship, and Holy Communion to call us out of isolation and remind us what it means to be created anew. For details, visit the Catholic Men's Fellowship of Western Pennsylvania today at cmfpitt.org. What is a warrior. At Portersville Christian School, it's more than a team name. A warrior is taught to serve, to passionately model the love of Christ toward neighbor, community, and world. To learn as they cultivate academic excellence and a lifelong love of learning from kindergarten to senior year. And to lead through Christian character and integrity. Are you a warrior? Discover Portersville Christian School just 15 minutes north of Cranberry, where warriors are made at ourpcs.org. When the Dobbs decision came down in a lot of, I mean, I, I, I was shocked, not because I didn't understand the makeup of the Supreme Court, but because I just, you know, being involved in the abortion movement for a long time, I just never, I could never get my head around the fact that Roe versus Wade would be overturned. Um, and then after after it happened and, you know, we were in the news cycle for a day, a week, a month, I realized that I think the whole anti-abortion movement had kind of been found flat-footed. I think maybe there were a lot of people like myself who just couldn't get their head around it. And so they weren't really prepared for what the next step was going to be. And now that we're a few months down the road, I feel like maybe it's time to step back and kind of figure out where we are and maybe come up with a better plan going forward. And I don't mean necessarily on a national scale, but I also think that there are some national elements to how we approach this that are worth talking about, which is why I've invited my good friend, Dr. Charlie Camosi, back to the show. Um, Charlie is an author. He's a professor of medical humanities at the Creighton University School of Medicine. Um, he's the author of a whole bunch of books, including Losing Our Dignity, How Secularized Medicine is undermining fundamental human equality. Charlie, I have a feeling that you're going to agree with me that it's a time for a personal reckoning and a national reckoning as well. Yeah, much like you, uh, Kathy, I was in, have been in the pro-life movement for many decades now and and took it took a while to kind of process what was happening even after the Dobbs decision was leaked. In fact, I don't know, I maybe had convinced myself because I was just so I don't know, paranoid about it or whatever, that, oh, it's not going to be that decision. You know, somebody's going to change their mind like they did in Planned Parenthood versus Casey at the last minute. But that's not what happened. And I think you're just 100% right that the pro-life movement and, and by extension, pro-life politicians have really been caught flat-footed by our opposition. In fact, I think it's fair to say our opposition, you know, as soon as Amy Coney Barrett was uh, was ascended to SCOTUS, right, to the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. have been working for, working for this moment and have a, have a dynamite, I mean, I, I think it's an evil strategy, but a dynamite strategy laid out to try to achieve what they want. And so we really have been kind of left floundering here, I think, for the last several months. Mm-hmm. Now, Charlie, in the decades that I've been involved in the movement, this has only been my assessment from afar, but I feel like in the one-to-one day-to-day work, the uh, pro-life movement has had the upper hand. Uh, I feel like 
uh, the pro-life work has been a lot of very incremental gains on on a one-to-one basis, one person sitting across the table from one person. I feel like on a national scale and when it comes to media relations and that sort of thing, I feel like the pro-choice movement has been more skilled um, and that probably fits in better to what they see their you know abilities are. Um, so I'm not sure what that means going forward, but I guess I want to I hear if you agree with that assessment or you think maybe I'm off there. No, I think you're. I think you're totally right. Um, when it comes to the culture at large, really, what the pro-life movements have accomplished is just astonishing. Because on almost every other so-called culture war issue, especially when it comes to LGBT stuff, you know, traditional Christians have lost and lost badly. But that's not true of abortion at all, frankly. Uh, younger generations tend to be more pro pro uh, choice than pro-life. If those are the terms we have to use on, on your show, I've mentioned many times those probably aren't great metrics because people have very complicated views about this. But even so, by any metric, uh, we have not lost the culture. In fact, I think we've gained, especially the broader culture, the middle class culture. We have lost uh, uh, the, the more elite, for lack of a better way of saying it, parts of the culture, the academia for sure, media for sure, government for sure, even some of our strongest pro-lifers, ostensibly strong pro-lifers at the level of government, really don't feel that strongly about it. They kind of give it lip service. I don't know if you remember this, the example of uh, Representative Timothy Murphy, who was a, oh, gosh, yeah. who was, who was a charter member of the pro-life caucus right. in, in Congress. He, he had text messages basically begging his uh, mistress to, to have, have an abortion. abortion so, right. Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, we've, you know, I think that's exactly spot on. Now, how do we push back against that? I think it's with trying to educate people in those, elite classes, just how extreme the positions are that are being defended, right? So I think, like, for instance, Lindsey Graham today is talking about a 15-week threshold. Now, whether you think that's a good idea or not to do at the federal level, a 15-week threshold is wildly popular. It's basically what France has, what so many other European countries have. It's supported by Gallifines, by by more than 7 in 10 U.S. Americans for decades. That sort of bill has been broadly popular. That's why the 15-week threshold in Mississippi was the threshold, was the law that, that pro-lifers went with to try to get challenged at the Supreme Court because it's broadly popular. And But the positions that the Democratic Party has, that most media members have, certainly that even academics have, basically all abortion all the time, paid for by tax dollars as a social good, is so wildly unpopular. It's just a total political loser. And that's why I'm so frustrated, frankly, that you know the well-placed pro-lifers haven't done more to try to fight for it. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you. And, and you know, for all of our attention that we often place to Europe as far as, well, Europe does it that way. I mean, for goodness sake, you know, kind of always looking at the at the U.S. as being some, you know, uh, anarchic place. Right. That, you know, the, the Europeans are the Europeans are the smart, uh, progressive, successful, smart people. And we're like back in the Stone Age. It, it, when it comes to abortion, there is absolutely no attention given to the different restrictions that are on abortion and what it looks like there versus here. That's right. I just saw an article recently on the top 10 places, countries, top 10 countries for women to live at. And without it, with the exception of Canada and the United Kingdom, there were a ton of European countries on there. You know, again, top 10 uh, in the world for women to live at that would that have abortion restrictions that would be considered like anti-choice, forced birth laws, not trusting women and their doctors, you know, imposing religious 
dogma on people who don't believe it. That's just a bunch of gobbledygook, right? And these are the policies of countries that almost everyone acknowledges are wonderful places for women. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, the kind of ex- the kind of extremism that rules the roost in our abortion debate is is really unfortunate. Dr. Charlie Camosi is with me. He's the author of several books, including Losing Our Dignity, How Secularized Medicine is Undermining Fundamental Human Equality, and his latest, Bioethics for Nurses, A Christian Moral Vision. Um, So, Charlie, it, it seems that if you asked the average person on the street, what is the Amer? what do you think Americans think about abortion? They would say... 80% of Americans think that abortion should be legal all the time when because I believe that's how the media makes us think it is when actual polling shows something way different. That's right. I mean, if if all you're going to poll is who thinks abortion should be illegal in every circumstance or, or legal in some circumstances, that's the only way you get that kind of number. Mm -hmm. But but if you just go in, if you just go even mildly into some kind of um, complexity, for instance, Gallup has again been asking for decades: first trimester, 12 weeks; second trimester, 24 weeks; and then third trimester, all the way to the end. If you if you say before 12 weeks, who wants legal abortion? It's about six in ten Americans. Again, for decades, something around six in ten. If you go beyond 12 weeks in the second trimester, it's seven in ten want it illegal. So you have a complete you have a complete flip. And then beyond 24 weeks, it's just virtually like you can't even really find anyone who, who wants that. It's like one in 10. So and so that's and that is that is the position, again, of the Democratic Party in our our elite classes. It's held by one in 10 people. And yeah. it's just wildly unpopular. And if so you, again, is this a, is this, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say. And so it just. If you add to that, if you if you take those numbers as real numbers, and then you look at all of the things that speak to us, whether it's our TV or our internet or our the award show we watched last night or whatever it is, all you hear for the most part are women talking about we have to protect women, we have to care for women's health, and that, of course that's all code speak for we have to advocate for abortion. That's right, and and let's be clear, and I know you and I share this as really sort of women-centered, almost feminist pro-lifers here, there are really difficult cases who, which we really need to get better at trying to under, help the public and the media understand what our actual positions are. For instance, we need to be a million percent clear that we will always save the life of the mother if that's what she wants. No exceptions, no buddy-duddy, like trying to be too cute by half. We will save a mother's life if that's what she wants in every circumstance, period. Uh, Charlie, why, why have we been so horrible in talking about ectopic pregnancy. I can't figure out what that is such an easy issue to address publicly. I'm not sure why pro-life leaders tend to be tripping over this. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it, it is maybe because there are some, you know, pro-life leaders who, who are intellectuals and they do, you know, like to think about. And, and I'm an academic, too, and I in my bioethics classes, I get into these niceties and distinctions all the time too like is there is there a big distinction a moral distinction for instance between removing the fallopian tube if there's a baby inside versus trying to pull the baby away and leave the tube intact so the mother has some fertility left after it's done right um 
those are really those can be really difficult arguments to engage. But the public sphere, the public debate over abortion right now is not the place for that, right? There's 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 ample time to have those debates. What we need to be saying is we are going to save the mother's life every single time. Now, let's be honest about this too. The the media that we talked about before, the the kind of privileged classes we were talking about before have no interest in letting people know what the truth is about this either. So it's tough messaging all the way around. But we shoot ourselves in the foot every single time if we refuse to just say flat out, we are going to save the mother's life every single time. And guess what? Our opponents, ever since Amy Coney Barrett went to the Supreme Court, have been ready with these cases to say, oh, you pro-lifers, you have this view and you have that view. And we think 10-year-olds who are raped and pregnant, they should be able to be forced to give birth to their rapist baby. And people who have miscarriages need to, you know, need to have their lives threatened and carry a baby who's dying and their lives against their will. And they need to drive to this state or that state. They've been ready to go since day one, and we've been caught flat-footed. So we absolutely need to get our messaging straight on this, and it has to be a pro-woman message all the way across the board. Right. I, I could not agree more. And not just we, – we don't want it to be just a pro-life message, and I know that's not what you what you meant. Um, but we want to live in a way that is pro-life for all women. And that's another way that we've fallen down on the job. And, Charlie, every time I talk about this in public, I try to bring this up – because it's so vital that we understand that we're not just about championing babies, which is a wonderful thing to champion, but we cannot leave the women behind. I mean, if you have ever been, as I have many, many times, in a counseling room with a woman who finds herself unexpectedly pregnant, I can tell you right now there is nothing simple about her circumstance. The way she got to where she is is incredibly complicated as far as family systems, as far as economics, as far as you name it. And um, and I just feel like we we tend to paint with too broad a brush. I think that's exactly right. And I was just discussing with my classes yesterday about the kind of intimate relationship that is involved in pregnancy, right? It's, it's unlike any other kind of relationship. I've never experienced it. Obviously, you have, but I, my wife obviously has. But it's even theologically intimate and even theologically central. I was, We were discussing yesterday how um, you can make the case of the first person to recognize Jesus as the Christ was the prenatal John the Baptist, right? He left mm-hmm. in his mother's womb mm-hmm. upon upon meeting Jesus. But what what an incredibly incredibly intimate relationship uh, both Jesus and John the Baptist, every child prenatal child has with their mother. So when we talk about pregnancy, if pro people who are pro-abortion are only talking about the mother, they're obviously missing something super important. But pro-lifers too. Let's be careful. Let's not talk about the disembodied baby apart from the mother as much as we sometimes do, right? Let me give you one example about this. It's just a dynamite, in my view, move we could make. Think about all the corporations right now, for instance, who are saying they ha- they're going to help women by paying them to, to, to fly or drive to another state to go have an abortion, right? Mm-hmm. Give me a break. Give me a break. That's not a choice, right? What, it, what would be a choice is, hey, here's $4,000. Exactly. You, you, can, you can do whatever you want with right. this. You could you could hire child care. You could take some time off. You could go drive to have an abortion. I hope that's not what they do. But but why can't we why can't we be for why can't we play on that in that yes. sandbox? Why can't we say you know 
we want to give women more choices to choose to keep their children. And this is one dynamite way with the pro-life movement could really move on something like that. That is an excellent point. That's Dr. Charlie Camosi. Check out Charlie's latest book, Bioethics for Nurses, A Christian Moral Vision, Also Losing Our Dignity, How Secularized Medicine is Undermining Fundamental moral equal fundamental human equality uh charlie i'm so sorry that our time's up already time goes too fast when we talk always a pleasure looking forward to next time thanks for having Mm. me on this is kathy emmons john and i are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers and especially our friends at grove city college thanks to everyone at grove city for supporting the ride home the leaves are turning the nights are crisp and the corn stalks are standing at the springhouse and that can mean only one thing autumn and autumn festivals too isn't it a great time of the year in western pennsylvania with all of our autumn festivals we at the springhouse love to take part in them not only do we have special fun festival weekends at the springhouse but we load up our little red van and head out to others in the area this weekend we're going to the covered bridge festival at mingo park in washington county come and see and take home a homemade pie. We're literally making and rolling hundreds of crusts, cooking berry pie fillings, and peeling bushels of apples to get ready for this beautiful, fun festival. Come and see us at the Ebenezer Bridge and then stop at the Springhouse for a great country supper. We're really not far at all. What a fun day for you. Call the Springhouse 228-3339 for more information. If a super flexible schedule, great benefits, paid time off, and a signing bonus sound good, consider NAMS Transportation. NAMS has provided safe transportation to Northern Allegheny County and Pittsburgh seniors for over 40 years. Van drivers start at $17 an hour, sedan drivers at $14 an hour, plus a $2,000 signing bonus for part-time drivers and a $4,000 signing bonus for full-time. Must be 25 or older, no CDL required. Call 412-406-8611 today. We've all felt the impact of rising food prices. For families in poverty, they're facing malnutrition and even death. You can feed a family for a month with your $50 donation to Compassion International. Just text the word radio to 97646. The battle lines are drawn. The war for America's soul is on the line. Learn who's on the right side. Join Salem Media Group and this station for the Battleground Talkers Tour. Coming in October as the best minds in conservative media and thought dissect the coming midterm election. Wired Differently presents Gallagher, Hewitt, Prager, and Tatum. The Battleground Talkers Tour. Thursday, October 20th at the Doubletree by Hilton and Greentree. Tickets at wordfm.com. Sponsored in part by Abernathy and Hagerman Law. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh on your smart speaker by saying play the word Pittsburgh and on your phone via the word FM mobile app. iHeart, tune in and Odyssey. Sweet strawberry icing. You're in goodwill and just past that vintage denim jacket you spot. Miniature donut earrings. You lean in. Ah. That's the scent of shopping success. Because at Goodwill, every item you buy funds local job training and more. So bring home those donut earrings and bring home so much good to your community. Goodwill. Bring good home. Brought to you by Goodwill and the Ad Council. For this evening, partly cloudy skies, a low 53. Sunny to partly cloudy tomorrow, but pleasant and warmer, high 76. 
clear stargazing skies tomorrow night, low 54. And a great day to be outside on Thursday, mostly sunny, the high 75. Friday, patchy morning fog, otherwise sunny, nice afternoon, high 78. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Ruth O'Brien. A local swimmer was having a day in the Penticton Canal, uh, which is a channel in British Columbia, just having a good time, and found a ring. The ring was engraved with two names, Stephanie and Noel. And so the swimmer thought, well, this is kind of interesting. So uh, picked it up, turned it into the police. And so the police in Penticton released a statement saying, hey, somebody found this ring in the channel, if anybody knows anything about it. Anyway, it went out on local television, local radio and such. And a man heard it and said, wait, those those are the names of my son and daughter-in-law. That's weird. So he called his son, and it turns out that Noel Nissen had lost his wedding ring in the Penticton Channel 17 years ago. (laughs) Now, the Penticton Channel, I had to look this up because, of course, I'm not familiar with British Columbia. It's four miles long. Okay, so it's not like it's this little puddle or something like that. It's four miles long, and the ring was found at a completely different place than it was lost. Noel Nissen said, that ring was lost so long ago, I was just in complete shock. He said that he and some friends had spent the day at the channel. He didn't realize until he got back to his car that his wedding ring was missing. So now he has his wedding ring back. He said it came back to him just in time for his 20th anniversary with his wife, Stephanie. Now, it's a good thing they were still married, right? It would have been like he might not have received it with as much joy. Anyway, right before his 20th anniversary with his wife, Stephanie... And he said this, the more shocking thing, not only that he has it back, is that it's in such great condition. He said it was like at the bottom of the channel or who knows where it was for 17 years. He said you wouldn't believe how good of shape it's in after 17 years in the channel. I would have thought for sure it would have been worn down from years of water and sand going over it, he said. But he's incredibly grateful, as is his wife, that they have their wedding ring back. We'll be right back next up, the LGBTQ issue, getting our theology and our tone right. 101.5 WORD. Dr. Charles Stanley. What's the world seeking today? Pleasure, prosperity, you name it. If you want to be conformed to the likeness of Christ, if you want to be a godly person, you must seek those things that are godly. Set your mind, fix your thoughts on the things above, on Christ, not on the things of this world. The teaching of Dr. Charles Stanley on In Touch, helping you grow in Christ every day. Tomorrow morning at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. My nephew is obsessed with treasure hunting. We watched that National Treasure movie where the hero solves all the ridiculous puzzles on his way to finding treasure. And ever since, he's been hiding painted rocks in the backyard and making treasure maps. In the movie... The hero has to find a clue inside a glacier, steal the Declaration of Independence, and outsmart the FBI. But for you, you happen to be living in a moment arguably unlike any other, where your home went and grew hidden treasure on its own over the last few years. Home values have gone nuts, leaving most of us with a significant opportunity to do a cash-out refinance and to use that newfound treasure for life. Many use it for credit card or high-interest debt or to just help with a difficult financial time. Many others use it for home projects, vacations, or treasure hunting gear. If you're curious what's hiding in your home, we 
Our United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court, Melbourne, New York. And a listener 1330. That's the Department of Banking and Securities. Mortgage lender license 22672. Train up a child in the way they should go. Well, you know the rest. It's a calling you take very seriously as a Christian parent. And Trinity Christian School in Forest Hills seeks to honor your commitment by working together with parents to prepare students who are academically sound and spiritually ready to take their place in the world through a classical approach to education that helps build a faith from which they will never depart. Trinity Christian School, one of the top K-12 schools in Allegheny County at trinitychristian.net. A successful baseball coach gets the offer of a lifetime. We need a new coach. I'm looking at it. I'm Coach Brooks. I love this game. When his methods reveal his faith, two worlds collide. Your job description at this school reads coach, not pastor. I'm being forced to choose between providing for my family and doing what God called me to do. This is bigger than baseball. It's bigger than you. Champions live here. Running the Bases. In theaters Friday. Rated PG. Tickets and showtimes at runningthebasesmovie.com. You just keep winning. Is your school a true partner in your child's education? They should be. Pittsburgh's Christian schools agree. If you're looking for a safe environment where kids can learn, challenge, and grow with highly qualified teachers who are not only caring but accessible, where academic excellence goes hand-in-hand with character development, consider Christian education. Right now, at this moment, local Christian schools, colleges, and universities are offering half-price tuitions for first-time enrollees while they last at wordfm.com slash tuitions. In the opening chapter of the Gospel of John, John is talking about Jesus and putting him, you know, in the meta context. Um, And close to the middle of that uh, chapter, he says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. And, you know, I come back to that day after day, year after year, I thought about this for decades, simply because it is so easy for anybody who uh, believes in Jesus to fall off one of those two sides. Either we are leaning in the direction of grace and we kind of like poo-poo truth, you know, like we just want to be super nice to people and really welcoming and we want to make a difference and we want to reach out and all those are wonderful things at the expense of truth. Or we fall off the other side, which is that we want to come down and tell you what the rules are and what the regulations are. We really don't care about people. And so and and you can see what happens if you fall off in either of those two ways. Now, the reason that we have a savior is because we need one. And uh, he was completely both completely grace and completely truth. And so that has to be our aim when it comes to the LGBTQ issue. Wow, I can't think of an issue that shows more clearly that we really have been unable to combine them both in a godly way. And that's why I really value the work of Claire DeGraff and really grateful he's able to be with me today. Claire is this is um, from the CEO for the Center for Faith, Sexuality and Gender. He's joined us on the show before. Um, Claire, first off, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, I'm Kathy. Um, so, Claire, you heard what I said at the beginning. Um, you have worked with this issue for a long time. Talk about how you see that grace-truth uh, either divide or the combination of the two. Well, most Christians have a pretty good idea of what the truth is, or at least their truth. I'm still a recovering grace person myself because I can fall off that wagon so easy, you know, trying to make sure that everyone else believes the same truth I do. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing more, um, there's probably no topic 
that is more prone to um, be full of truth and less grace than how we handle, how Christians handle uh, LGBTQ people. And I think it's largely because most of us don't know many LGBTQ people. We see them on TV, the kind of the loud and proud in your face kind of thing. And we go, they're all like that. But I, you know, when somebody says to me, well, I, um, I just don't like their lifestyle. And I said, well, tell me what lifestyle that you're talking about. Cause I said, I know LGBT people who are celibate. Some of them are married to people in the opposite sex. They're thoughtful, they're kind and everything else. And I said, you know, when you're talking about um, uh, LGBT lifestyle, it'd be like comparing Kim Kardashian and um, and uh, uh, Billy Graham. I mean, they're both heterosexuals, but nobody would think they had the same lifestyle. So we kind of mm-hmm. lump all LGBT people in the same thing. And that's what I think is the first problem. I literally this morning wasn't even thinking about this, but this morning I met with a guy from my church who is gay and um, and is a wonderful follower of Jesus. In fact, he's going to be leading a group and wants to be celibate. And he's fallen off the wagon a few times. Like most of us when we were young and single have fallen off the wagon. He cried out to God, repented, and he said, can God forgive me? And I said, he already has. So I think that <laughs> the first mistake people make is that not all LGBT people are the same. And we should understand that. And when somebody talks about LGBT people or they say they're gay, the first question I ask is, what does that mean to you? Mm, mm-hmm. And just listen to them. Yeah, yeah. To make sure I'm not pigeonholing them. Sure, sure. Um, I think as with a lot of things, Claire, uh, people go into this with the best of intentions uh, as far as the conversation or thinking about the issue. They get into, go into it with good intentions. I think maybe, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, that some Christians think that they need to defend God or they need to defend Christian principles. And so therefore they can't have anything to do with any person from the LGBTQ community or any person who would advocate for that or any person who uh, would sanction that. Yeah. So I think, again, that answer is it depends. And, and what I mean by that is if I'm meeting with somebody who's not a Christian, why would I expect them mm-hmm. to believe what I believe about sexual issues at all you know they're even if i could get them to not have sex with somebody of their same sex if they don't know jesus their sexual choices are the worst of at least of their problems right and so my job is to introduce them to jesus not get them to behave differently and so uh, uh we just we do this all the time with all kinds of our friends it depends where they're coming from whether we can actually talk to them or not but we don't have to we need to tell them what we believe but we don't need to tell them what we believe the first time we meet them even the third time we meet them right, <laughs> right. no that's so i think that's right. the, that's the issue people feel like well if i don't tell them what i believe then uh then i'm wimping out and not and not representing right. god well. uh you can represent god well by actually listening to them loving them take spending time mm-hmm. with them when i first got involved in this as far as i know i don't have any family members or LGBTQ. Um, I, I probably do, but I don't know it. Um, I got involved because my grandkids were heading off to college and I started going to seminars and workshops with LGBTQ people 
to listen to how they think and what their concerns were, what their fears were, because I wanted to be equip myself to have thoughtful spiritual conversations with my grandkids. Mm. I had no no uh, a vision in mind to start the Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender with Preston Sprinkle. I, that was not my thing. I was just trying to equip myself to be the thought leader in my family. And I think Christians are, are going to have to get more serious about that. For some Christians, this whole topic is like global, about as important as global warming. They just don't care. Well, they don't, but I guarantee you their children or grandchildren do. I think last time I was on the show, I made this statement I'd make all the time that um, most young people are making our treatment of LGBTQ people the litmus test yeah. of whether they actually want to be part of yeah. the church or Christian at all. Mm-hmm. And if you're a grandparent, you need to get on top of this thing so you can actually talk to your kids or you're going to wake up or they're going to walk away from the church and go, what happened to that? Right. Yeah. I completely agree with that. That's Claire DeGraff, CEO for the Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender. And Claire, not uh, and what you're saying is absolutely right about the litmus test. Um, uh, I, I've seen that coming for years, as I'm sure you have as well. But the other thing is, I think we've just we've just gotten um, our responsibility wrong as Christians. And I appreciate how you said that, you know, maybe you have to tell somebody what you think about sexuality, but not the first time you meet them, and maybe not the third time you've met them, and maybe not the 30th time you've met them. I mean, I just think that maybe we have misunderstood what the Great Commission was, and it didn't have to do with sexuality first. And and not sexuality first, heterosexual sexuality first, not homosexuality first, it, it is Christ first, and uh, and we keep forgetting that, and, yeah. um, and I think we're just driving people away unnecessarily. But um, I do understand the concern that some older Christians have that we're simply not standing up for truth. There is a time for us to stand up for truth, but I sometimes will actually meet with people two or three times before we actually get around to the gospel. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to think that I am that I have a tar- they have a target on on, yeah, on their yeah. back and that I've got to read this four spiritual laws to them the first before we sit down for lunch. Uh um I appreciate people who do do it. I that that's just not my style, but I think Jesus just loved people first and when they felt loved then they began to trust what he had to say and they'll trust what we have to say. Hmm. They may not agree with it. And I've had people tell me, I don't agree with you at all. And um, and I said, why do you keep meeting with me? Because I said, they said, because I think I can learn something from you. Well, good. As long as I have influence, then I have a chance. But if but if I if I just take the party line and say, no, you need to believe this, or we can't meet again. And people, you, nobody says that, but you say that in many ways. Mm, you that convey that people are wary of people in the church, right? Yeah, no, that's a good point. And Claire, I often wonder about um I wonder about what our what we think our churches should look like and what Jesus thinks our churches should look like. 
So if if I'm standing up in front of the church on Sunday morning and I look out on the congregation, am I thinking that the church should be full of people who have it together, people who are following Jesus only, people who are daily victorious over sin, um, people who, you know, don't struggle. Maybe they used to struggle, but don't struggle anymore. Or am I supposed to look at a group of sick people who need a doctor? Um, so talk about that because that's a different way of looking at what church is for too. Yeah, I go to a large church. We have about 2000 in, um, in each service, couple of services a Sunday. And years ago, our pastor, um, um, on, on his radio broadcast, openly invited LGBTQ people to our church. And he got all kinds of cards and letters and, you know, emails and, and texts and it, 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 it was not pretty. He got up the next Sunday and he said, you know what? I got all kinds of cards and texts because I invited LGBTQ people. There's 2,000 people here and the population at that time was estimated to be about 4%. So he said, we've got probably 80 LGBTQ people here. I want you to know you're in good company. You're sitting right with adulterers, next to adulterers, Mm. materialists, slanders, gossipers. Mm -hmm. And he started listing off list of sins and actually people began clapping. Mm. Is that because right? He just, he just uh, made it very, very clear that that you are welcome here um, uh, anytime, any place, because this is a place for broken people yeah. to come, yeah. to learn how to be less broken and to fall in love with Jesus. So I thought that was a very courageous yeah. thing for him to do 15 years ago. I do too. I think that's I think that's super courageous, and I think that's something that really I don't know. It inspires me to think differently when I go to the coffee shop or when I go to Target or when I just live my life um, to just have a different outlook. People aren't projects, right? I don't think Jesus looked at one person as a project. I think he looked at them as a unique, beautiful creation. And I, you know, I, I really hope I can do the same thing, Claire. I wish our time was longer, um, but I really want to thank you for your work, your work with Preston. Um, your work at the center and for taking time out of uh, today to be on the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks yeah. for having me. On. Hopefully Claire will be able to talk again soon. That's Claire DeGraff. Please look at the Center for Faith, Sexuality and Gender because they're doing so much good work there. They're really reasonable. And that's what I think is missing in a lot of these conversations we're having with our family members and people in our community. Claire DeGraff, Center for Faith, Sexuality and Gender. Bye, Claire. Critical race theory. Is it critical or corrupting? Prominent Christian leaders fall into both camps. If the debate has left you confused and questioning, Rocky Springs Church presents a CRT conference Saturday, September 24th in Harrisville, PA, within 10 minutes of Grove City that examines the history of CRT, how we got here, is it compatible with the gospel, and where do we go from here? Register at crtconference.rockyspringschurch.org, crtconference.rockyspringschurch.org. Hey, I got a question. Do you hate bending over to put on your shoes? Wish you could just put them on standing or sitting without ever having to touch them? If so, then I have the shoe for you. Introducing new hands-free Skechers Slip-Ins. Footwear you don't need to touch to put on. That is only from Skechers, the comfort technology company. With new Skechers Slip-Ins, you just step in and off you go. You don't even need to lace up. And these are not your standard slip-on shoes. This is the next level slip-in technology. So it's even easier. 
How does Skechers slip-ins work? Well, there's a special smooth comfort pillow in the heel that helps your foot slide right into place. And it also keeps your feet secure in heavenly comfort, which means they stay on just like a pair of laced-up sneakers, and you can even put them on with your hands full. What, are you rushing out the door with your kids? No problem. Just step in them and go. Look, we all hate bending over and struggling to put on our dirty old germy shoes, but now just get Skechers slip-ins and never touch your shoes again. Find new hands-free Skechers slip-ins for the whole family at a Skechers store, Skechers.com, or wherever stylish footwear is sold. Looking for quality patio furniture made right here in the USA? Hearth and Home Furnishings in Zelianople offers one of the largest selections of American-made wicker, cast aluminum, and marine-grade polymer pieces designed to bring comfort and style to your living space. From casual to sophisticated, seating for 2 to 10, in dozens of finishes and hundreds of fabrics made to endure season after season. Hearth and Home Furnishings, family-owned since 1978 at hearthandhomepa.com. Bachman Roofing and Solar is your local award-winning roofer. Stop waiting. It's time to inspect your roof and protect your home's number one asset. With no interest and no payment financing for 12 months, Bachman's Roofing is your easy choice for roofing, gutters, and solar. Did you know Bachman's Roofing is one of the number one GAF solar integrated roofing installers in the USA? Go with Bachman's. Go with solar and install the roof that pays for itself. Call 412-744-8390 or visit bachmansroofing.com. Meet Brad. Brad's hard at work, or at least his website is. Ever since he added live chat with Salem Surround, Brad's customers are getting their questions answered 24-7. Website purchases have gone up 35%, and they're over three times more likely to buy from him again. No bots, just real people helping real people. Live chat, one of the easiest, most affordable ways Salem Surround can increase your business while you do other things, or nothing at all. Ask us how at surroundpittsburgh.com. My dad, who passed away just uh, two years ago, couldn't play an instrument. He never played the piano, a horn, a stringed instrument. He didn't sing, nothing. But if there was a human being on earth who loved music more than him, I've never met them. I mean, my dad loved music. So when I was a little kid, when I was like, I don't know, as early as I can remember, um, my dad was a factory manager for the H.J. Hines company. And he would come home at this point. We were living in a small town in New Jersey. He'd come home for lunch, um, which is funny to even think of an executive coming home for lunch. But he did. And he would eat his lunch and he'd make me sit next to him and we'd listen to a symphony uh, on stereo. I was not allowed to talk. I just had to listen. Um, and of course it wasn't just classical music he loved. Um, Ramsey Lewis is, uh, a piano player that I've been listening to my entire life. We're going to hear some of his music here as I talk. Um, Ramsey Lewis passed away, um, at the age of 87 today. And if you've never heard Ramsey Lewis or the Ramsey Lewis trio, you're missing out. You're missing some of the happiest music that has ever been played. Ramsey Lewis had a career that spanned more than 60 years. He played with musical stars such as Earth, Wind & Fire, Aretha Franklin, Tony Bennett, Al Jarreau, Pat Metheny. He had more than 80 albums to his credit, toured the world, performed at a, at a state dinner with uh, Bill Clinton in 1995. He was playing live on YouTube a year ago. Um, I mean, just an absolutely incredible talent, Ramsey Lewis was. Um, his son said he was just at peace. Most people say when they met my dad, he was a class act. 
he was that way even through his last breath. So from the age of four, when Ramsey Lewis first started taking piano lessons and living in Chicago, he um, grew up in the church. He played gospel music. He learned how to play classical music. And then all those things worked together to create the style that so many people, like my dad and like me, grew to love. So I was incredibly sad to hear that Ramsey Lewis has passed away, but so grateful for the music he left us. So as we close out this 4 o'clock hour, and we have a lot more to come in the 5 o'clock hour, thanks for being with me today on The Ride Home, and enjoy some of this beautiful music from Ramsey Lewis. On your smart speaker at wordfm.com, the Word FM app, iHeart, tune in, and on Odyssey. In your car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Your blood never lies. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. The coffin of Queen Elizabeth has arrived in England after the short flight from Scotland. The coffin will be taken Wednesday to the Houses of Parliament, where it will lie in state for four days before Monday's funeral. Lower gas costs slowed U.S. inflation for a second straight month in August, but most other prices across the economy kept rising. PNC Bank senior economist Kurt Rankin says there's a good reason the stock market's struggling today. This report suggests that the Fed is going to go ahead with a 75 basis point hike out of this month's meeting, September 21st, uh, which would be the third consecutive 75 basis point hike. I think Wall Street was looking at the potential that that rate hike could be 50 basis points instead of 75. And the stock losses are deepening. The Dow is down 1,069 points. This is SRN News. If you're considering protecting your retirement with gold or silver, listen up. Mark Davis here. One company I trust for this, Advantage Gold, the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. They've won the best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because they really educate their clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. Text the word BETTER to 48542. Get a free copy of the number one best-selling book, The Great Devaluation, when you text BETTER to 48542. So they can send you a free gold kit along with a free copy of the Wall Street Journal national bestseller, The Great Devaluation. With the crazy state of the world right now, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? Don't wait any longer. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value, all from Advantage Gold. Text the word BETTER to 48542 now. That's B-E-T-T-E-R. Text the word BETTER to 48542 now. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. 
As the war on Ukraine stretches into six months, the needs of displaced and refugee families continue to grow. We cook on open fires under shelling and bombs just because if you don't, you will have nothing to eat. Millions are still homeless, waiting for an end to the fighting so they can figure out what comes next. They remain in desperate need of essentials, including food. Since March, Food for the Poor and our ministry partners have shipped more than 10 million meals to displaced families. These meals have been distributed through pastors and refugee assistance centers throughout Ukraine and surrounding countries, and the help is gratefully received. But the need for food is ongoing. So will you please consider giving a generous gift right now? Each meal costs just 25 cents, so a little goes a long way. $50 will provide 200 meals. $150 sends 600. Please give your most compassionate gift now. Text send hope all one word, to 91999. Text send hope all one word, to 91999, and we'll send you a link to give. Or click the Help Ukraine banner at wordfm.com. Charlie Dombeck here from Key City Capital. As a practicing CPA for nearly 30 years, I have found that 80% of your ability to grow your wealth is dependent upon two factors, taxes and investment performance. At Key City Capital, we improve investment performance by diversifying capital into off-market investment opportunities in passive rental real estate and alternatives like asset-backed lending. We recover dollars that clients unnecessarily pay in the form of income taxes, creating a lifetime annuity of savings. We are a sponsor of passive, affordable, single and multifamily residential rental investments, which are located in Sunbelt landlord-friendly states. These investments are the top choices in a rising interest rate and inflationary environment. They represent a store of value protecting your capital from market volatility. Learn how we at Key City Capital can help you ultimately grow your wealth rapidly. Connect with me at keycitycapital.com or give me a call at 817-912-1569. For this evening, partly cloudy skies, a low 53. Sunny to partly cloudy tomorrow, but pleasant and warmer, high 76. Clear stargazing skies tomorrow night, low 54. And a great day to be outside on Thursday, mostly sunny, the high 75. Friday, patchy morning fog, otherwise sunny, nice afternoon, high 78. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Ruth O'Brien. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Well, good afternoon. Glad that you're along with me for today's ride home. We are one hour in. If you missed any part of our last hour, including my conversation with Charlie Camosi on abortion and how the Democrats and Republicans are talking about that, how um, different media outlets are handling the issue of abortion and what midterms might look like. Um, that was at 410. Also, I talked to Claire DeGraff at 440 about the LGBTQ issue, getting our theology and our tone right, um, plus some other things along the way. Um, um, you can always find our podcast, The Ride Home with John and Kathy, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, The Ride Home is streaming live on YouTube at The Word Pittsburgh. Are we streaming today, Gary? Mm-hmm. Yes, we are streaming live. So you can turn on YouTube right now if you'd like to watch the show uh, at The Word Pittsburgh. And coming up in this hour, sex scandals and the evangelical mind. Uh, is there something about how um, evangelicals talk 
or think about church, about discipleship, about personal morality? Um, or is there something about how we tend to elevate powerful pastors um, that's making one sex scandal after another happen over the last decade in major churches around the world? We'll talk about that with Bronwyn Lee. And then just in a couple minutes, Chris Davis will talk about how anticipating Jesus' return can give us strength for today. Um, but before we get to that, I also want to tell you that my on-air partner, John Hall, taking a day off. So we hope he's having a terrific time. Um, but I want to turn my attention to an article uh, that was picked up by The Washington Post today, published by Religion News Service by Bob Smitana, who's been a guest on our show a whole bunch of times. Um, there's a new report from Pew regarding the religious future of the United States. There's some projections that they've made, and it just kind of made me think back to how I came to faith myself. And so I remember being a kid being, I don't know, I'd always gone to church on Sunday with my mom. My dad didn't go. Um, but maybe when I was six years old, moved to Pittsburgh, uh, we went to this new church. And of course, my mom got a I was up early on Sunday. We we're going to go to church and she was going to go to Sunday school and I was going to go to Sunday school and then we we're going to meet together and go to church. Well, I was not going to walk into that Sunday school class. I mean, she could have dragged me in with wild horses and I wasn't going. And I just had a ton of anxiety as a kid about my peers, about what they were going to think of me. I didn't know anybody in there. I was not going to go in there. Anyway, so this was a battle that my mom and I had, but here's the one thing I knew. We weren't going home. Okay, we just weren't. My mom was staying at church and I was staying at church. And either I could sit out on that bench at the church and wait until the, the worship service started and skip Sunday school altogether. But there's one thing we weren't doing, and that was getting in the car and going home. Well, the end of the story is that finally I got up enough courage to go in the room over the years I met people, I ended up absolutely loving my church. We had a wonderful time there. But the reason that I stayed was because my mom made me. So when I think about my friends who were believers, I think a lot of us were raised in the church, but not all of us. I mean, a lot of my friends also came to faith from disparate places. I have friends who were Jewish who came to faith in Jesus. I have friends who grew up in a, an completely atheistic home. I also have friends that grew up in a home that was just kind of like a nun home, like an N-O-N-E home, like we don't really think anything, who've come to faith in Jesus. So we're all coming from a different place. But as Pew is looking forward to what America might look like in 50 years, they're thinking that things are going to change dramatically. By 2070, it says that the majority of people in the United States may no longer choose Christianity. If current trends continue, Christians could make up less than half of the population and as little as one third in 50 years. Meanwhile, the religiously unaffiliated or nuns, the N-O-N-E-S, could make up close to half the population and the percentage of Americans who identify as Muslims, Jews, Hindus, Buddhists, and adherents of other non-Christian faiths could double. Now, of course, these are just projections. No one knows exactly what's going to happen. And Pew came out and said, of course, you know, we're not saying that this is definitely, we're not predicting the future. We're just trying to pro to project what current trends are telling us about what the future might be like. So 
Um, when you look at birth rates, migration patterns, some democratic, some demographics that in, include age or sex, um, the way the current religious landscape looks in America, and how religion is passed from one generation to another, and how people often switch, in particular. I was talking about friends of mine who came from other places, either a nun family, N-O-N-E family, or they came from an atheistic family and converted to Christianity. They're looking at a lot of Christians who were raised in Christian families who are going the other way, who are becoming N-O-N-E-S. And I guess this is my major concern. I I think it's a shame if America ends up to be less of a Christian nation 50 years from now. Um, My main concern, though is how strong the church is in 50 years. Because culture is one thing, but the strength of the church is going to determine the trajectory of our future, all of us together. That's what Jesus has promised us. And Jesus has said that the church will not fail. Um, the church has often embarrassed uh, the God who has called us. We have not represented him well. Uh, we have gotten his message wrong. I mean, we have failed in a kajillion ways, but Jesus has promised us that Jesus loves the church and the church being every person who believes in his name and that that church will prevail. So I don't know, you know, I read this very long article um, that Bob put together uh, for RNS and I appreciate what Pew is um, looking for. And it's a sobering thing. It makes me think that um, we have to be particularly diligent as we raise our kids. Uh, I my mom was so faithful and she prayed for us, but she also just got up early on Sundays and took us with her. And a lot of us over COVID, and I get this, have gotten really lazy and we don't go to church and we say, oh, we'll just watch it online. Or maybe we say we're going to watch it online and then we decide, you know, we kind of slept in and then we didn't watch it online. Anyway, I just I think that. COVID has made us in a lot of ways lackadaisical about things that we have to come back to. And one of the things I want to encourage you to come back to is your local church, whatever that is. And if you didn't like your church before COVID, then I encourage you to find another church. Um, If you've found a church where people were super hypocritical or really judgy or whatever it is, there are a lot of other churches in Pittsburgh that would welcome you with open arms. And maybe you'll find a place that's not hypocritical or judgy. Or if you were hurt by the church or you were abused by a priest or a pastor, or you have some um, some trauma in your current life that is because of an experience that you had in the church in the past, I can never make up for that. But just as a voice you're hearing on the radio, I can tell you that there is a God who is beyond that and a God who never sanctioned that abuse for you and a God that's calling you home. And so um, in reading this, and you can read it for yourself in today's Washington Post, the title of the piece is U.S. Christian Majority Could Fade in Coming Decades. Um, I don't know. It encourages me anew to live my life in a way that is honest and forthright and really humble and honest about who I am and how often I fall short and always, always, always coming back to the grace and the hope of Jesus and the joy I find in my local church. And so I hope that you can find the same thing. Much more coming up in the five o'clock hour. Chris Davis coming up next. Anticipating Jesus' return. How can it change how you look at today? That's next. Right home. 101.5 WORD. 
Do you ever wonder why there's a new self-help book published what seems like every six months? It's because they don't work. Here's Carl Clausen to tell us why. I'm convinced of this. Self-help, self-led, self-will is actually stiff-armed by God. He loves us that much. Where self-help ends and God's power begins. Next time on Family Life Today with David Ann Wilson. Tomorrow morning at 9 on 101.5 Word FM WORD. You ever see those really amazing videos of uh, salmon swimming upstream? There they are, these beautiful fish literally flying through the air against hard currents on their way to live for the next generation. And life can feel like that sometimes, right? We're all swimming upstream against harsh odds to live another day. And so, in this downturn, these really weird economic times, a cash-out refinance may be the breathing room you need to lighten your load. With newfound money, a cash-out refinance from United Faith Mortgage can help you pay off some debt and give you some money to set aside for a better financial shape. The Faith and Family Mortgage Team at United Faith Mortgage will help you untangle any questions or any anxiety about the process. The small team with the big backing makes United Faith Mortgage the preferred mortgage provider here at Word FM. United Mortgage Corp, Melbourne, New York. And a listener 1330. That's Department of Banking and Securities. Mortgage lender license 22672. A successful baseball coach gets the offer of a lifetime. We need a new coach. I'm looking at it. I'm Coach Brooks. I love this game. When his methods reveal his faith, two worlds collide. Your job description at this school reads coach, not pastor. I'm being forced to choose between providing for my family and doing what God called me to do. This is bigger than baseball. It's bigger than you. Champions live here. Running the bases in theaters Friday. Rated PG. Tickets and showtimes at runningthebasesmovie.com. You just keep winning. What is a warrior? At Portersville Christian School, it's more than a team name. A warrior is taught to serve, to passionately model the love of Christ toward neighbor, community, and world. To learn as they cultivate academic excellence and a lifelong love of learning from kindergarten to senior year. And to lead through Christian character and integrity. Are you a warrior? Discover Portersville Christian School just 15 minutes north of Cranberry, where warriors are made at OurPCS.org. In those days, ten men from all the nations will take hold of the garment of a Jew and say, We want to go with you, for we know that God is with you. Join Messianic Jewish evangelist Rabbi Kurt Schneider as he shares authentic teaching from the Old and New Testaments, unfolding revelation today for your brighter tomorrow on Discovering the Jewish Jesus. Monday through Friday at 1.30 p.m. here on 101.5 Word FM. I've been in the church a long time, as I was just talking about, and we just haven't talked a lot about Jesus coming back. I mean, it's something that we, that I would say that every church I grew up in believes, um, but not something that we talk about often, not something I think that figures into personal discipleship very much. Um, And so that's why I was so excited to hear about this new book called Bright Hope for Tomorrow, How Anticipating Jesus' Return Gives Us Strength for Today. And I'm happy to welcome Chris Davis to the show for the first time. Chris, how are you doing? Hey, good to see you. Thanks for having me. Welcome in. What's your church experience? Was it like that? You know, I I grew up in a church where we actually studied Revelation and other oh, yeah. end times texts from a very specific perspective. Okay. And but it was a lot more about, ooh, could 
could this event in Russia yes, or Iran right. or something else Got it. signal the end of, you know, the end of times, the return of Jesus. And so that, that was more the milieu I came up in. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I know exactly what milieu you're talking about. Um, but also that doesn't lead much into personal discipleship, right? No, no. And that's the thing. It's like, this is all very fascinating, right? It's very interesting, but what does it actually do to make me more like Jesus or to give me perseverance through difficulties or, or, you know, to, to get me more focused on ministry? What, what is this chart that I'm looking at of this guy laying sideways in the 70 weeks of Daniel? What is that supposed to actually do to, to help me uh, move forward in my Christian faith? Right. Okay. So something changed for you when you pulled out some of your kids like sketch paper and you started yeah. like, what were you like drawing pictures, doodling stuff? Like what were you, uh, Yeah. what was the mental process so. there? No. Yeah. I was reading the, the new Testament for, for just preaching. I've been a pastor since 2005 and I was preaching through a number of texts about uh, spiritual growth and how we grow in our faith. And I, started seeing these references to the Lord's return all over the place. And I was like, this is too much for me to hold in my head right now. I've got to like, get this all down somewhere. So I ran it. I had a home. This is in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, and I ran into the house at a home office and, um, and I ran over to my kid's easel and pulled out a whole roll of art paper and tore it off. And my wife was like, what are you doing? And I said, just give me a second. And I started with a pencil in my hand, started writing down every reference to Jesus's return. I could find in the specifically in the New Testament letters. Mm -hmm. I knew about the Mount Olivet Discourse in, you know, in the Gospels and the book of Revelation. But what were the apostles writing to the church to say, here's how anticipating Jesus return is supposed to change you now today. Mm. And as I wrote all those references down, and I'm so sorry, I'm not prepared. I actually have it in the, in the next office over, but I, I could roll it out and yeah. show you. But as, next, time. As I, as I, next time, that's right. As I started writing these down, it was overwhelming. And I felt like, you know, that gif where uh, Charlie Day is like, has the cork board and sure, all the, different, of course. The, the yarn. That's what I felt like. I was, I, I ran into the house like a couple of days later after writing all this down by hand. And I said to my wife, it's everywhere and no one's <laughs> talking about it. Or, and more so, it was like, it's everywhere. And all they're talking about is, ooh, what does this end time event mean for this prophecy? And, what? and I'm like, that's not what the apostles were talking about. They expected the return of Jesus to fuel their faith mm. and their endurance and their perseverance and their holiness, all these things. And and this is not what people are talking about. So that was mm -hmm. eight years ago, and that started my study on this on this topic. Wow. Okay. So you're holding the book in your hand. For those of you watching on Zoom, check it out. Bright Hope for Tomorrow is the new book by Chris. Look at that. How anticipating Jesus' return gives strength for today. Um, okay, Chris. So uh, so how does it? I mean, how does it give us strength for today? Yeah. Have... So so yeah. Very simple. I can tell you in about eight minutes. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> So one thing it does is it gives us um, something to hope for that's better than the the things that we long for in this age. You know, it's the C.S. Lewis quote about we're like kids making the mud pies, mud pies in the slums. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, that that quote changed my life in high school. I was like, oh, the Christian faith is actually supposed to uh, propel us forward, not just, um, you know, uh, not just like hold us down in our passions. And so one thing it gives us when when we feel tempted towards the things of this age, um, the, the, the allurements of money, sex and power, it gives us a broader, a longer vision of what all those things are for. Um, it transforms us through giving us a vision for ministry. One, as a pastor, one of my favorite parts of Paul's letters to the Thessalonians and the Philippians and the Corinthians is how he saw the, uh, the return of Jesus as something that would uh, give him clarity. And I, I, I say this in the mm. book. I say, I, I imagine this moment where Paul is standing before Jesus, and he's showing him the Thessalonians, and he's saying, Jesus, I did what you told me to do. Huh. You wow. know, on the road to Damascus, you told me mm. to be a witness to your of your gospel to the Gentiles and to kings and to the house of Israel. And and I did because he, mm. he says to the Thessalonians, he's been kicked out of Thessalonica, and he says to the Thessalonians, um, you are my, he says, what is my crown of boasting before the Lord at his return. Is it not you? And so he, he imagines this moment where he will boast to Jesus of the faith of those he had invested mm. in his life and the gospel. Mm. And so it gives so much clarity to the, look, I'm a pastor that ministry can be frustrating. Yeah. It can be overwhelming. There can be so much that happens that gets us down and, and to have that long view that gives us the ability to have long strides toward that day. Yeah, that is really, really good. I love that. Chris Davis is with me. Um, Bright Hope for Tomorrow is the new book, How Anticipating Jesus' Return Gives Us Strength for Today. Um, okay, so talk about what else. You had, a, you had a list of several things, and I interrupted you in the middle. No, that's great. So another thing we talk about is afflictions, the afflictions we go through. So there's there are issues of injustice. If you read James chapter 5, he addresses an issue very similar to what we had in the American South in the sharecropper situation following uh, the Civil War, where you had uh, sharecroppers whose wages were being kept by the landowners simply because the landowners had the power to do that. Mm -hmm. James is addressing a very similar situation in, uh, in early, uh, the early church, and he uses the coming of the Lord as that means by which they can say justice is coming. Mm -hmm. So I develop in the last chapter, I developed this idea of prophetic patience, that this idea that you can, you can be patient because the judge is coming. coming. The judge is standing at the door. And yet that's not just like roll over and play dead, be a doormat, let people take your money and your stuff. James models a prophetic word. He mocks those who are abusing and exploiting the weak and the poor. And he says, actually, your, you know, quote unquote, riches that you're gaining with all this, it's going to turn to dust. It's going to be worthless very, very soon. And so James models for us. Here's what it, call, it looks like to call out injustice now and, and speak truth to power now in a way that gives us strength to look towards mm. the day of the Lord and and be patient to know he will make it right. Hmm. So in all these things, it kind of reorders our loves, 
almost. It does. Knowing what's coming. Yeah. In fact, there's, so in the book, I work through um, just some introductory, like the, the biblical theology, the whole story of the day of the Lord and the Lord's appearings throughout the Bible. And then in the second part, I walk through these particular images of Jesus as warrior, king, bridegroom, judge and resurrecting one. And the third part, see, there wasn't a third part at first. I just jumped straight to the application about purifying ourselves and doing the master's work and persevering through afflictions. But honestly, I found myself not really changed by this. Mm. Like it was nice theoretically, but I didn't find myself truly motivated and like in this ingrained in my life. So I started asking this question. So where are these where what are some rhythms that can be incorporated into my life to keep me aware that the Lord is coming back? And if you read the New Testament, it turns out that that there's a lot about how gathering, like encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing mm-hmm. near and the way we gather together and take the Lord's Supper, proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns um, fasting. Jesus said the bridegroom is with them. They shouldn't fast now, but when the bridegroom's taken away, then they will fast. So how we fast in such a way that leans into Jesus's coming. But the third one that I I develop is that of rest, of taking Sabbath rest. And part of it is disengaging from the news, disengaging from our devices, disengaging from our ruling over the world and, and making something of the world to pause for that one day in seven, like God did on the creation week, to remember God is in control. And when Jesus comes back, Jesus will redeem power that we have messed up and misused. Jesus will redeem delight again, which we have skewed with our sin and with Satan's temptations. And Jesus will redeem everything, giving us the ability to step back for a day a week and just rest Mm. and say, Jesus, I'm going to practice. And, And I know we're almost out of time, but let me say this. My dad passed away four years ago. But just about six months before he passed away, he was telling my wife, you know, when I practice Sabbath once a week, it's like practicing for heaven, practicing for eternity. And that was one of the last conversations we like really held on to after he passed away to think, you know, we do one day in seven. We can it's not pretending we can practice. Like, what if Jesus were reigning right now in his fullness and and we could just let go and let him be the boss and 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 not have to change the world mm-hmm. because he's going to change the world. And so that's honestly when I when I just shut off from my day of Sabbath each week, that teaching about what we can hope in, what Jesus will redeem when he comes back, redeeming work, redeeming power, redeeming uh, delight, it it works into my life. Okay, I can practice that now so that each week I can get a little more used to what it will be like when Jesus returns. Man, I love that. Bright Hope for Tomorrow is the new book, How Anticipating Jesus' Return Gives Us Strength for Today. I, or does it give strength? I put, I keep putting us in there. Oh, I believe Chris has frozen, which is sad. I think the title of the book is How Anticipating Jesus' Return Gives Strength for Today. I've been talking to author Chris Davis, and I'm sad that we lost him off of Zoom because, you know, he and I were communicating on Twitter this morning, and it turns out his grandma's from McKeesport, used to take the trolley in to go to pirate games. 
I told him, though, sadly, the truth is, if Grandma was still here, she wouldn't be probably wasting her quarters on taking the trolley in to see the pirates. <laughs> anyway, there he is. All right. Thanks to Chris for being here. Coming up next, a little bit of a news roundup for today. International travel is open again. So now is the perfect time for that trip to Israel, the trip of a lifetime. A trip to the Holy Land will bring you face-to-face with one of the most fascinating countries on earth. More than just a vacation, this meaningful trip is your opportunity to enjoy the freedom to travel again. Walking the ancient streets of Jerusalem where Jesus walked, sailing the Sea of Galilee, and floating in the mineral-rich Dead Sea with its healing and rejuvenating power. Sebastian Gorka and Dinesh D'Souza, along with our trusted travel partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours, personally invite you to experience Israel with them this November. To book your trip to Israel, log on to StandWithIsraelTour.com. That's StandWithIsraelTour.com. Then call 855-565-5519 to secure your spot. Call today, 855-565-5519. Celebrate fall during Community Market Days at Bedner's Farming Greenhouse. Every Saturday from 11 to 3, Bedner's has plenty to enjoy, including local goods and vendors, a food truck, live music, wine tastings, cooking and gardening workshops, DIY and kids activities, plus everything you need for your fall gardening and decor with fresh cut pumpkins, gourds, cornstalks, mums, and lots more. Community Market Days every Saturday at Bedner's Farming Greenhouse and McDonald. Visit Bedner'sGreenhouse.com. In those days, ten men from all the nations will take hold of the garment of a Jew and say, We want to go with you, for we know that God is with you. Join Messianic Jewish evangelist Rabbi Kurt Schneider as he shares authentic teaching from the Old and New Testaments, unfolding revelation today for your brighter tomorrow on Discovering the Jewish Jesus. Monday through Friday at 1.30 p.m. here on 101.5 Word FM. What is a warrior? At Portersville Christian School, it's more than a team name. A warrior is taught to serve, to passionately model the love of Christ toward neighbor, community, and world. To learn as they cultivate academic excellence and a lifelong love of learning from kindergarten to senior year. And to lead through Christian character and integrity. Are you a warrior? Discover Portersville Christian School just 15 minutes north of Cranberry, where warriors are made at OurPCS.org. Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker too. Plus iHeart, TuneIn, and on Odyssey. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Hi, I'm Debbie Childress, director of the Grayson County Alliance, a food pantry in rural Kentucky. Thanks to a local farmer, we recently received a $2,500 donation from America's Farmers Grow Communities, sponsored by the Monsanto Fund, a philanthropic arm of Bayer. As a result, we expanded a classroom where we teach families about nutrition and personal finance. I encourage all farmers to enroll for a chance to direct a $2,500 donation to a local nonprofit. Visit growcommunities.com. For this evening, partly cloudy skies, a low 53. Sunny to partly cloudy tomorrow, but pleasant and warmer, high 76. Clear stargazing skies tomorrow night, low 54. And a great day to be outside on Thursday, mostly sunny, the high 75. Friday, patchy morning fog, otherwise sunny, nice afternoon, high 78. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Ruth O'Brien. In the on-deck circle, we're going to talk about sex scandals in the evangelical mind. 
what is it about uh, how we're doing church? What is it about how we look at our own personal discipleship? Um, how it is that maybe we look at uh, our personal morality or the elevation of a senior pastor um, through media or uh, through whatever church culture? How is that contributing to uh, sex scandals in America? We'll talk about that in just a little bit with Bronwyn Lee. Uh, before that, though, I saw an article on um, people regretting their uh the major that they chose in college. This made me really sad. I mean, it's totally understandable, but I still think it's sad. Uh, lots of Americans leave college wishing they could have a do-over, this nationwide survey found. Um, the Washington Post Department of Data analyzed the findings of a Federal Reserve survey and found that nearly 50% 50% of people who studied humanities or the arts eventually regretted that choice. Not far behind, 45% of people surveyed who studied social and behavioral sciences also wished that they had picked something different. More than a third of people who studied education, business, law, and life sciences also <laughs> regretted their choice. Over 40% of people who went to vocational school regretted it. I mean, no one's happy with what they studied for crying out loud. Why did any of us go to college is the question. Uh, the major people were least likely to regret the Federal Reserve Survey found was engineering. Despite that popularity, very few people go into engineering. So it's just kind of funny. Three times as many people graduate with a degree in business than with a degree in engineering. So, I mean, I don't know what that tells us, except for the fact that it doesn't seem like people are able to translate what they learn in a liberal arts education to what they're doing on the job, which is a tragedy, because if there's anything that a liberal arts education is supposed to prepare you to do, it's supposed to prepare you to think, to value different points of view, to understand the you know different disciplines and to be able to have conversations with people around those. And somehow the liberal arts have ended up providing us with graduating seniors who aren't able to do that, who somehow feel incredibly attached to their own opinion, want to stick with their own tribe, and maybe they've seen that modeled in their parents or their grandparents. I don't know, but it, but it it's sad that people are investing so much in wonderful disciplines like, you know, philosophy or music or psychology or history or whatever it is, disciplines that we can learn an incredible amount from and you find them 10 years later and they're just sad that they you know invested that time now the only question is if they say they invested that time i'm wondering what that has to do with how much they owe in student loans and the other thing it makes me wonder is if they had it to do over again are they really going to become engineers because come on if you were like me and you were a liberal arts major which i don't regret at all if I had it to do over again, you're not going to find me in double E. Like, it's just never going to happen. So, I mean, I think it applies to different kinds of people. Anyway, we'll be right back. Much more to come. Tuesday edition. WORD. I'm Alan Jackson, and I have the privilege of joining you each day to open the Word of God and ask for His input. And I'm convinced the challenges we face in today's world are more spiritual than they are political or economic. Exploring God's Word together is refreshing. It equips us for everything that comes our way. Join me, and let's see what God has in store for us today. A fresh look at Scripture, weekday mornings at 930, Alan Jackson Ministries on 101.5 WORD. Hi, I'm Al Abaroa, founder of Knight Strategic Wealth. 
Inflation is a problem, markets are volatile, and the risk of running out of money in retirement is real. That's why I love annuities, and you should too. Your financial advisor doesn't want you to know that with our annuity strategy, when the stock market goes up, you earn a market-linked return that locks in every year, and when the stock market goes down, your annuity won't lose a dime. There are no unnecessary fees, and it works for your investments, money at a brokerage firm, or even money at a bank. It's simple, it's safe, and you should only invest if you learn the facts. And that's why savvy investors work with us. Want to learn more? Text FREE to 833-898-0500, and we'll send our retirement readiness kit directly to your phone right now. If you want to use safe, low-fee annuities to build a retirement portfolio that will go up with the market and never lose money, Get our Retirement Readiness Kit today and see how this strategy can help secure your future. Text FREE to 833-898-0500. Text FREE to 833-898-0500. The Catholic Men's Fellowship of Western Pennsylvania presents the 14th Annual Gathering of Men Conference, Created New, Saturday, September 24th at Gateway High School in Monroeville. A day for men to rediscover their connection with God and renew their bonds with each other. Featuring a powerful lineup of speakers, worship, and Holy Communion to call us out of isolation and remind us what it means to be created anew. For details, visit the Catholic Men's Fellowship of Western Pennsylvania today at cmfpitt.org. A successful baseball coach gets the offer of a lifetime. We need a new coach. I'm looking at it. I'm Coach Brooks. I love this game. When his methods reveal his faith, two worlds collide. Your job description at this school reads coach, not pastor. I'm being forced to choose between providing for my family and doing what God called me to do. This is bigger than baseball. It's bigger than you. Champions live here. Running the Bases in theaters Friday. Rated PG. Tickets and showtimes at runningthebasesmovie.com. You just keep winning. Bachman's Roofing and Solar is your local award-winning roofer. Stop waiting. It's time to inspect your roof and protect Protect your home's number one asset. With no interest and no payment financing for 12 months, Bachman's Roofing is your easy choice for roofing, gutters, and solar. Did you know Bachman's Roofing is one of the number one GAF solar integrated roofing installers in the USA? Go with Bachman's. Go with solar and install the roof that pays for itself. Call 412-744-8390 or visit bachmansroofing.com. John and I have been doing uh, the ride home together for probably about, I think, 12 years. And uh, over that 12-year period, it is really shocking and humbling how many scandals we have had to cover on the show. And it is not limited to denomination. It is not limited to um, portion of the country. It's not limited to the color of the person. I mean, it is... Uh, it's an equal opportunity offender. Um, and after, you know, the most recent one, you know, at, to be honest with you, after each one, we finish our show and we sit here, John and I, and we just say, I can't believe we're talking about this again. I cannot believe we're talking about this again. So it's worthwhile asking, why do we keep coming back to this? Why does it still happen? And instead of pointing the finger at how could that guy or that woman do that, it's probably more beneficial to say, what is it about all of us that is encouraging this type of environment so that we're allowing these things to happen? Bronwyn Lee's back on the show, author of, and this is a book that has probably my favorite title, Beyond Awkward Side Hugs, 
living as Christian brothers and sisters in a sex-crazed world. She's also the pastor of Discipleship and Women at First Baptist Church of Davis, California. Bronwyn, welcome back. Thanks so much. It's good to be with you. That's the best book title. I can't stand it. I love it so much. Um, Okay. So you heard my analysis. It's not really much of an analysis. It's more more a cry for help. Um, And your reactions to that? Oh, well, I feel it's uh, entirely that feeling of, oh, my goodness, here's another headline. I feel just gutted, like mm-hmm. despairing that we're talking about this again. Um, I I heard the, the latest, you know, headlines uh, while I was actually away on a retreat with some fellow pastors. And we just thought, oh, oh my goodness, the spotlight's on us again. Can we be friends? Are we allowed to uh, laugh with each other? Are, are we under scrutiny? You know, and you feel both... Um, anxious about the future you feel um sort of some despair that things are the way that they are you feel vulnerable um but my pastoral side is also just how are the people around me processing this news does this mm-hmm. make them afraid of church does this make what does this do to the witness of the gospel what does this do to the health of our community so i have like a, a mom reflex not just on oh my goodness mm-hmm. here's the news but also yeah. how are the people under my care processing this kind of response right and what are you hearing what are how are the people in your care process these stories one after another well they are uh there's a lot of uncertainty right the men are are anxious about it uh we they second guess their behavior my co-pastors were like oh my goodness uh if i try and offer care is that going to be misread if i don't offer care is that me me being cold it makes them feel like they're caught in a catch-22 among the women in ministry that i sort of am a, a leadership coach to there's just a lot of anxiety when we see news like this about what does this mean for my future in the church? Uh, is it possible to be in a healthy work mm-hmm. environment? Is it possible to have ministry partnerships if you are the only or one of a few women in an environment like that? And just at a, a sort of a general church level, even if you're not working on staff at a church, if you're attending a church, I think it makes us um, just think, oh my goodness, our lead is trustworthy. Uh, can we have a Bible study with, you know, married and single people with men and women, or are we just always vulnerable to something terrible going wrong? And the more we read headlines like that, the more I think it feeds a fear that it's just not doable mm-hmm. or possible. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. I I, I, I definitely sense that in myself. Uh, Bronwyn, what about the question I raised before you came in? What is it about our current world, whether it's our whether it's the discipleship training that we have in our churches and 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 we're equipped poorly or whether it's the fact that we have a difference in how we speak about being a Christian and and what our life is actually like that gap is too big or we're not or or how we're elevating pastors like what what are the things that you think are contributing to us seeing this repeated behavior Oh, that's such a complex question, but it's a really critical one, right? Because we're going to repeat what we haven't identified or what we're not growing out of. I think there are a a number of things that can go wrong. Um, The one that I talk about in Beyond Awkward Side Hugs is that I think we have a very sexualized view of relationships and community. And so we tend to read all sorts of licentiousness um, into relationships that, from a Christian point of view, should be brotherly and warm and familial Mm -hmm. instead of um, sparking with chemistry. And that gets us into all sorts of problems with um, 
expectations of one another, of adding innuendo where it shouldn't be. And we suspicion. A lot of, that's right. It's a lot of suspicion. And then there's a lot of fear that whenever you put things, um, you know, a man and a woman together in any kind of environment that it's it's going to go south. So there's, there's the whole um, sort of sex crazed narrative that I think is part of the culture. And we've brought this into the church. But there's also a whole other layer of power dynamics. Um, which mm. I explore in one of the the chapters, um, and which Andy Crouch has written a lot of good stuff on as well. But just the idea that so often when there is an abuse that comes out in Me Too or Church Too, it's not just that there was a man and a woman together, um, but that there was an abuse of power. Yeah. There was a trust. There was an, a lack of equity in that relationship. And so part of it is um, not just that we need to sort of the reaction of fear is often that we just want to keep people apart. Let's just keep men and women apart. Let's keep people apart. And then none of these things will happen, but that's not addressing one, the fact that we're sinners by nature, like rules really can only restrain us so far. Mm -hmm. We actually need growth in character from the inside, not restrained from the outside. It's like um, the safest dog in the neighborhood is uh, not the one on the shortest leash. Mm. It's actually the best trained one. Right. So we don't just want to put short leashes on people. We actually want to be people who are trained by the Holy Spirit. Um, but we need to address the power dynamics. And for that, there needs uh, to be accountability, um, just a lot of practice of self-awareness. That That's the call for spiritual formation, right, for people yes. who are in leadership. Yeah. And I think... You know, the more you talk and the more, you know, I have, uh, you know, because of our work on the air, we've had to investigate in really sad uh, detail the allegations of all of these um, instances and what has come out publicly and what people have admitted to and whatever. And, I, you know, this idea of elevating the priest the pastor or whatever, you can call it clericalism, um, is a word that I know is tossed around. Uh, I, that's the one, uh, one of the uniting factors that has come up in almost every one of these. And the elevation of that person looks different depending on what the denomination is or what the country is or what the culture is. But there's still some type of elevation. And I, and by saying that, I'm not trying to advocate that for a situation where we treat pastors like, you know, slummy neighbors, I, it's not that I'm not trying, but, but there had, there's something, there's something that is different between what we're doing and respect. And it's, it seems to be making all of us sick. Right. Yeah. I think that that's true. I mean, and that's, that's part of the, the difficulty with, um, discerning what the difference is between a platform and a pedestal, right? Sometimes God gives you a space to speak. He's given you a platform. He's given you an actual physical microphone, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Where people are listening to you and that's a platform and you want to steward that well. We, we are accountable to steward that well. If we have favor, if we have an opportunity to speak to a crowd, um, we need to be very careful in the way that we steward that because as many people as we can help is the same number of people that we can hurt, right? But there's the danger that those listening won't just see that as a platform that you're stewarding, but will put you on a pedestal. Um, and so I want to be stepping off pedestals mm -hmm. of my own and mm -hmm. other people's making, that mm -hmm. that's, that's part of my own accountability to keep um, my marriage, my friendships, my own personal life clear. And so I need to do that both as my own personal practice and I need to encourage those who I minister alongside to be stepping off pedestals because it's quite tempting to stay up on there. Mm. Um, and I need to be coaching the people that I'm discipling um, 
to to view everybody with the humility and sobriety that the gospel calls us to. Yeah. And so that's something that you're actively doing. You're actively thinking about that. I have to be. I have to mm-hmm. be. The fear of um, ruining other people yep. <laughs> is a big one, yep. right? There's, yep. there's such the, I think that's what James is talking about when yeah. he says, you who presume to be teachers need to be very, very careful. I am aware. Yeah. Um, just like I feel about taking care of my children, I'm not a perfect parent, but I am aware of the responsibility that I carry in their formation. And as a mother in the house of God, which is how I see my pastoring, I am very aware that I am um, a weak person, a vulnerable person. I have a lot of responsibility and I have a lot of clout in that, um, in this, that particular space. That uh, I do not want to hurt my church family. Yeah. So I want to be very careful about that. Yeah. Bronwyn Lee is with us. Uh, Her book is called Beyond Awkward Side Hugs, Living as Christian Brothers and Sisters in a Sex-Crazed World. We're talking to her from Davis, California. Okay, with only a minute left, Bronwyn, um, I love, love, love what you said about stepping off pedestals. What about people who are, those of us who are church members, who are congregants? Um, what's What's the directive or the recommendation for us? You know, the Bible calls us the family of God. And none of us come from perfect families. There's always dysfunction, right? But I think that the invitation for each of us as a child of God and a brother and sister of other brothers and sisters um, is that we need to be healthy contributors to the future family. We need to take care mm-hmm. of our own stuff, be a healthy sister, be a healthy brother, um, you know, leave the family in a better state for you having been, uh, been in it. We can't just wring our hands about everybody else's drama. We need to do our own work to be cultivators of a healthy a family dynamic moving forward. That's really good. I appreciate that advice. That's Bronwyn Lee. Please, would you check out her book, Beyond Awkward Side Hugs? Again, you get my award for favorite title of the year, Living as, sec- <laughs> living as Christian Brothers and Sisters in a Sex-Crazed World. Bronwyn, I hope we can do it again soon. We would love to. Thanks, Katie. Terrific. Nice to see you. That's Bronwyn Lee. You can check her out online. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the Emmys. They were awarded last night. Anything you like, get an award. I have some good audio to play, too, about a great uh, speech that was made. So stay with us next. When it comes to higher education, it's worth considering a Christian university or college, one that reaffirms students' faith instead of tearing it down. Research shows that students who attend a Christian college can become significantly more committed to their faith, and that's an important investment to make. You care about the type of people who are teaching the classes and about the content of the courses just as much as you do about the strength of the academics. It matters that Christian faith is supported and shared. Find out about many schools at once by attending the free Christian College Fair with representatives of colleges and universities from across North America. Start planning now. Take advantage of the opportunity to meet with representatives from top Christian colleges throughout the country. Learn about financial aid, scholarship opportunities, and more. Take your first step to a Christian college education at Orchard Hill Church in Wexford, Saturday, September 24th from 11 to 1. That's the Pittsburgh Christian College Fair, Saturday, September 24th at Orchard Hill Church in Wexford from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. More at Find Your Christian 
ukrainecollege.com. As the war on Ukraine stretches into six months, the needs of displaced and refugee families continue to grow. We cook on open fires under shelling and bombs just because if you don't, you will have nothing to eat. Millions are still homeless, waiting for an end to the fighting so they can figure out what comes next. They remain in desperate need of essentials, including food. Since March, Food for the Poor and our ministry partners have shipped more than 10 million meals to displaced families. These meals have been distributed through pastors and refugee assistance centers throughout Ukraine and surrounding countries, and the help is gratefully received. But the need for food is ongoing. So will you please consider giving a generous gift right now? Each meal costs just 25 cents, so a little goes a long way. $50 will provide 200 meals. $150 sends 600. Please give your most compassionate gift now. Text SEND HOPE, all one word, to 91999. Text SEND HOPE, all one word, to 91999, and we'll send you a link to give. Or click the Help Ukraine banner at wordfm.com. Meet Brad. Brad's hard at work, or at least his website is. Ever since he added live chat with Salem Surround, Brad's customers are getting their questions answered 24-7. Website purchases have gone up 35%, and they're over three times more likely to buy from him again. No bots, just real people helping real people. Live chat, one of the easiest, most affordable ways Salem Surround can increase your business while you do other things or nothing at all. Ask us how at surroundpittsburgh.com. Get smarter every day at ozzy.com. Try a new news site that tells you about the most interesting people, places, and ideas. Discover the next Obama or maybe the next LeBron James. Try ozy.com right now. Ozzy, it's like a latte for your mind. Get some. We are everywhere on your radio at 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Last night, the Emmys were awarded for the first time, I think, on a Monday night, and it didn't seem to um, go very well for them on NBC. It was an all-time low for viewership opposite, of course, the premiere of Monday Night Football. Um, the host, Keenan Thompson, uh, I watched uh, most of it, you know, not not the whole thing. Um, I thought he did an okay. I thought it was actually okay. It didn't really, it didn't do much for me either way. Um, there weren't a lot of speeches that made me mad, like I usually get at the Academy Awards. Um, uh, the uh, Emmy for Best Drama went to Succession from HBO. Uh, the award for uh, Best Comedy went to Ted Lasso again for uh, Apple. And um, Succession, I could never get into because I just hated every character. Um, Ted Lasso is I just absolutely love, and I was very happy to see them get the award. Um, but the high point came uh, at the awarding of the... Emmy for Best Comedy Supporting Actress. Um, Abbott Elementary is a show that premiered on ABC about a year ago, and it is such a terrific show. It's short. Um, it's only a half hour long. Uh, Quinta Brunson is the lead writer, the creator, and she stars in it. And she has an absolutely terrific cast. And it's about a failing public school in Philadelphia. And it will make you laugh and it'll make you think. And it is just so very, very well done. And uh, Quinta Brunson herself got a comedy writing Emmy, which she completely deserved. But as a, what I thought was a surprise, when the Emmy was given out for Best Supporting Actress in the Comedy Sector, Cheryl Lee Ralph won for Abbott Elementary, and instead of coming up and giving a boring speech, she came up and did this instead. I am an endangered species. 
But I sing no victim song. I am a woman. I am an artist. And I know. It was such a shocking moment because she's not a singer. At least we didn't know she was a singer. And so she got up. She was obviously completely stunned that she won. And then she launched into that. And people were just, people were like agape. Like, is she really singing up there? Anyway, she's obviously a fabulous vocalist. She is so good on the show. But her presence of mind in that moment was so lovely. And the thanks that she gave right after the clip that I just played, the thanks she gave to Quinta Brunson, to her husband, to her children, to all the people who cared enough to to love and support her in her journey. She's 65 years old. This is the first thing she's ever won. And she is an absolutely beautiful, talented, funny, funny woman. Anyway, to me, that was the highlight of last night's Emmys. Um, Jason Sudeikis won for Best Actor in a Comedy again from Ted Lasso, as did Gene Smart from Hacks. Brett Goldstein, Beard from Ted Lasso, also won again for Comedy Supporting Actor. And then in the drama categories, Lee Jung Jae won for Squid Game, which I have not seen. I just couldn't bring myself to it. It seemed very painful. So I don't know if I can really get into that again. Zendaya won for Euphoria, which I'm definitely not watching. Uh, Matthew McFadden for Succession and Julia Garner for Ozark. Um, my favorite shows of the year. Uh, I got an email just asking about that today. Um, my favorite shows of the year were Abbott Elementary, like I already mentioned, and Ted Lasso. Also Severance for Apple was absolutely spectacular. Only Murders in the Building and Stranger Things all came up empty, those three. Um, but again, I was happy to see uh, that Ted Lasso was recognized really creative, uh, kind in many ways, an interesting program. And speaking of programs, thanks for being along for this one today. Have a great night, Pittsburgh. See you right back here tomorrow. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.